What a beautiful day to be alive. Welcome to the You Can Do It Too podcast. Yes, you can do it too. My primary mission in this podcast is to empower minority youths and young professionals around the globe to imagine beyond any limits and strive to be their best self. Who am I? I am many things. I am a son, a brother, a husband, a friend. I'm an engineer. I'm a medical student at the University of Texas at Austin Dell Medical School, Hooken. Well, if you ask me to be specific, I'm a problem solver. I'm a critical thinker. I would love to see you reach your full potential. Yes, you. You have what it takes. I'm rooting for you. All right, we live, baby. <laughs> cold out here bro how how is it over there man it's like 20 25 out here super super cold it's crazy february 1st black month uh starting and uh it is crazy in texas and we definitely not ready for this but ladies and gentlemen welcome to melanated men in medicine man we've been trying to set this up for the past a uh, few months and we finally got the time and the, the courage to, to set this yeah. up. So let, let's jump right into yeah. it, bro. So yeah, just to kind of uh, get you guys uh, kind of acquainted to what we're doing here. So Melanated Men in Medicine is just um, gonna kind of be a platform or a forum for um, you know black men in medicine and just black men not in medicine to kind of uh, communicate with each other and discuss topics um, you know, uh, pertinent to the Black experience in America and also our experience uh, as Black men in medicine. Um, but yeah, we're just here to uh, kind of have conversations with you all and uh, talk about topics that y'all find interesting. And um, yeah, we're excited to get going. Definitely. This platform is for you guys, right? It's for you guys to help you to, to, to create a space for you guys to share some of the struggles, challenges, that has been bothering you guys out there and for us to really bring resources that could potentially smooth in the road for you guys. So this is for you and uh, I, I, hope, uh, I hope it's helpful, it's really effective for what you guys need out there. So um, just to kind of uh, get you guys acquainted with who we are and kind of why we're doing this. Um, so I'll start. My name is Lee Horton. I am an MS1 at Dell Medical School in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, but I went to high school in Colleen, Texas, uh, went to undergrad at UT in Austin, and then uh, started my medical education at Dell just last year. Um, I am, of course, a Black man uh, working towards a career in medicine, and uh, I'm just excited to be here and um, looking forward to, to the conversations we're going to have. And bro, you have to have a fun fact. What's your fun fact? That's <laughs> true. Let's see. Let's see. Um, something interesting about me that a lot of people would not expect is that I actually played the violin for about nine or ten years. Yeah. Whoa. I didn't know that. I did. Yeah. I actually played uh, in undergrad, too. But yeah, I think that's definitely a pretty a fun fact that not a lot of people would expect. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, my name is Mamadou Balde, and I go by Corse. So I'm originally from Guinea, a country in West Africa. That's where I was born and uh, moved here when I was 12 years old. And uh, I went to high school in Beaumont, Texas. 
you know many people uh, don't, don't know why I'm in Beaumont, Texas. But uh, after that, I went to UT Austin, uh, studied chemical engineering, graduated there in 2020, and moved to Houston to work uh, with ExxonMobil as an engineer. And until I decided to move uh, back to Austin for medical school, I'm an MS1 like Lee, and uh, it's been an amazing ride so far. In terms of fun facts, uh, man, I'm planning to run. I'm planning to run an ultra marathon. I'm training. Ultra marathon is 100 miles. Uh, I'm training to run an ultra marathon, and that's one of my biggest dream right now. Uh, so that's definitely gonna be a, a nice experience and we, we'll tell you more about it later yeah good luck bro I, I know you got it you got it uh just gotta stay focused oh man i will i will bro let's jump into this i mean we've been uh over over the past few years we've been grinding hard uh but it, the journey hasn't been easy right we've been in spaces where there were a few of us few people that look like us and uh, technically, we have we had to go and uh, defy some odds and uh, climb some mountains to get to where we are today. And uh, as we said earlier, our biggest goal is to look back in our experience, share what we learned, uh, so that the people that comes after us have an easier journey. Exactly. Um, but yeah, today uh, today's discussion. You know, since it's our first day. Um, we decided to come in with a pretty hot topic. So um, as you can see at this, this news headline that we're showing here, uh, this is from AAMC, the American Association of Medical Colleges from about uh, two years ago. It says that black men make up less than 3% of physicians. That requires immediate action, says leaders in academic medicine. 3% is tiny. Um, so exactly. Um, but yeah, today we're pretty much gonna uh, just spend our time unpacking, you know, that that tiny statistic and try to figure out, you know, why reasons uh, that it could be. What do you think about that? Uh, that three percent, Mamadou? Man, when I saw that, I, I remember when I saw that the the first time uh, in college, the first emotion I felt was uh, nerve. Like I'm like, wow, that low? Is it because like What's going on? Is it because of something that we don't have? Is it on us? Uh, but as I learned more, as I did more research, I learned about all the different disparities, all the different things, uh, inequalities that are out there that is contributing to this data. And then that nerve emotion turned into anger, right? I'm like, what, like, what can I do to really uh, help improve that? Right? And uh, it's been, uh, that's how I started my podcast uh, a few years ago to really introduce that to, 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 to really provide a platform that talks about that and bring people who have undergone through that journey and uh, who are going to share their story so other people can learn from it, right? And, uh, but it's been crazy. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, with us, you know, on our way to being a part of that 3%, just like you said, we have no choice but to kind of uh, share what we've learned, share our experiences with the other 97% of Black men who are kind of uh, excluded from careers in medicine. Um, yeah. And just like you, uh, kind of um, in my journey towards medicine, I definitely kind of um, 
started to see how unequal the playing field really is when it comes yep. to, to pursuing higher education. Um, and it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is sad, um, especially because, you know, in school, when you're growing up, you constantly hear from your teachers, from your parents, oh, you can be anything, you know, everybody has an equal shot at something. But, you know, really, it, it, it's not all that, um, you know, it's not all that equitable. Um, yeah. And the biggest thing that also heard is the fact that in 1975, right, that's, that's when he picked, that's when we had the highest amount of uh, black males in, uh, in medicine, right? And since then, it has been going down. Right. And uh, it's crazy. I feel like in 1975, it was right after the, the movement uh, of MLK and uh, mm-hmm. all of that. So I feel like there was a great effort. Being black was something that was prideful, right? You were trying to to be part of those intellectual people, right? We, we knew that to, to be in those rooms and to have the, to be part of those conversations, we needed to be intellectual and people were really motivated uh, to, to be one of the only one of the first right but i i feel like nowadays people do not care as much uh, about that right i mean the media and all the distraction out there is telling us that the biggest thing is money right is uh, how can i be very wealthy how can i be very powerful and that's happening through the media uh, the sports industry so it's been crazy mm-hmm. yeah i feel like um a lot of it too has to do with um just kind of the structures kind of in our country if we're talking about america um specifically i think a lot of it has to do with um structures on your way towards a career in medicine right so let me let me uh bring in my experience for example um you know in order to to get into medical school you have to do things like research you have to like take the mcat you have to go to college uh and stuff like that um but you know if you know statistics show that mm, you know on the way up in the education system black males are more likely to get in trouble uh with professors less likely to graduate uh from high school uh and face disciplinary actions and things like that and i think that um you know the tiny statistic of black men in medicine could in part be uh, a direct effect of you know the structures that black men face kind of barring them uh from this system of higher education you know from the time that they start kindergarten um wow mm-hmm. yeah what do you let do you me think? let me ask you this question let me ask you this question so i've been thinking about this for a long time right so for me i feel like any type of success requires some type of imagination beforehand right mm-hmm. and uh, the best way to have some type of imagination is through exposure, right? Do you feel like that a lack of exposure from a young age is one of the biggest contributors to the fact to the fact that we have these low numbers of black males in medicine? You know, absolutely. I feel like um, the way that black men are depicted in media, or, or and also the way that um, you know, we aren't necessarily exposed to, you know, what it's like for a black male to be a doctor. We, we never even see that. 
So of course we don't get that exposure. And I think that um, I would agree with you. I think it does have an effect on, you know, what we decide to do, because if we're never seeing doctors, if we're never seeing lawyers, how can we aspire to be such a thing, you know? It's crazy, yeah, because if you can't see it, it's hard to imagine being it. Because even at a young age, right, I can't imagine in many black communities, when they go to the doctor, they never see, uh, they usually don't see a, a black person to be their doctor, right? And uh, there are more black women in healthcare than black men. So the idea of uh, black men being the person caring for you, for many uh, young black people, is not in their head. So when they're thinking about careers and stuff, it's hard to even put that in their head because they're never exposed, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. can't share it. I can't share a specific story, bro. Uh, so me, I grew up in Guinea, right? And I spent there 12 years. I was in Guinea for 12 years before I came here. And crazy, my, my dad, uh, full transparency, my dad is a physician in Guinea. And mm-hmm. uh, when I was little, going to the doctor, the only type of physician I see is Guinean physician, which are all black. But I realized when I came to the U.S. here and around 15, 16, 17 years old, when, when I visited the hospital, Whenever I, the first time I remember, it was when I was 18 years old uh, for my uh, knee. I had some knee issues playing football and went to a doctor and I, a, a, a woman, black woman physician came to check on me. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, unconsciously in my head, I started thinking, oh, she's black. Right? Mm-hmm. Even though I've been seeing black doctors from zero to 12 years, it was still a surprise. And I can't just, I can't imagine what those people uh, who grew up here in the U.S. who never seen a black physician think when they are cared for by a black physician. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would have to um, agree with that too. I feel like, you know, a lot, you know, I think that's a really good segue into kind of us actually talking about our experience so far. Because you say, Um, A lot of people in America aren't used to seeing black physicians. And so they probably, you know, would have kind of a a reaction if under the care of of a black physician. Um, But, you know, Mamadou, I want to ask you so far, what has your experience as a whole been like as a a black medical student? You know, you're about seven months in now. Um, Could you tell me a little bit about how that's been? Oh, man. I mean, from my from, from from my experience so far, I definitely uh, there is some type of uh, feel like uh, culture, right, that doesn't allow people of color to be so comfortable, right? Mm. And I think uh, the biggest the biggest reason for that is the fact that we are so few. We look around, we only see so few of us. We, and it tells us that this place may not really be for us, even though it may is, even though we may be, uh, we, we, there's no reason why we cannot succeed in this space. Mm-hmm. But the things around us, the way, the fact that there are so few of us, the fact that so many things uh, were uh, created that without really thinking about uh, diversity in terms of race and stuff like that, make us sometimes feel like this space is not for us, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it's either like you're going to run away or hide, or you're going to try to really push uh, to defy whatever odds that, that are putting against you to really stay, right? To really stay in that space and uh, and uh, kind of be effective. But my biggest feeling is that, uh, I mean, from my seven years, I'm doing well in terms of classes. Uh, I, I have friends like uh, and all of that. But there is still that feeling that uh, I have to fight hard to feel welcome. I have to wake up every day screaming from the top of my uh, from the top of the mountain, saying mm-hmm. to myself that this is my home. I'm supposed to be there to really help me uh, believe it, you know. And uh, because of all the things around me that's reminding me, uh, maybe this is not for you, you know. Um, I think we may have to find kind of comfort in that feeling of, or we may have to find comfort in always telling ourselves that we belong. Cause I feel like we may have to, we we're gonna end up dealing with patients, you know, in the future. And we're gonna have to tell ourselves, you know what, we're, we're doing the right thing. We're in the right place, you know, regardless of what's going on. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you keep going up, as we keep climbing the ladder to our residency and being a physician, uh, mm-hmm. the narrower it gets, the more it may feel like we don't belong, but, the answer is not like let's run away and not uh, get into these spaces, right? Because if we do that, there won't be like, it's going to dwindle and, and there won't be enough. It's always going to be like that. But it's up to us to really keep pushing and uh, always working toward making these spaces more welcoming to people that look like us, right? And I feel like even though that may take a long time, that's the only way to ensure that one day some people are gonna come and really feel like they belong in this space. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, one of our uh, guiding questions that we were gonna use today, uh, this is a good segue, is um, what does representation mean to you? And, um, you know, based on what Corsay just said of, you know, as we work our way up, we're gonna make sure as black men to be giving back and informing, you know, the next people coming up kind of what our experience has been like, give them the tools, give them the resources to, you know, get also to positions, um, you know, higher up in whatever they do. Um, But yeah, uh, that's kind of what representation means to me. I feel like, yes, we want to increase this this extremely low percentage of Black men in medicine. Yes, that's uh, kind of rule number one. But representation to me means actively, you know, we want to get Black physicians, but we want them to also be kind of working to benefit the community in some way uh would you agree with that i i definitely do agree with that i feel like uh it's not just about uh being here but it's about making sure that uh, the person that come after feels mm-hmm. more welcome feel feels more uh that space right which is why we are taking the time out of uh whatever little time we have in this freezing weather <laughs> to, to to really uh look back and give back basically right and uh i remember i was having this conversation with, with one of the upperclassmen uh who's a fourth year who told me that uh the year before him there's only one uh person who are african american in the school uh in our school right and uh his year they have two right and uh today for us this year we are five basically the goal is to keep increasing but one thing we realize is that people 
uh, don't say yes or no to a school. Uh, people don't go to a school just because they are accepted, right? Once we all get accepted, we do a big review of all the schools we are accepted, and then we decide what's the best school, uh, where is the school that makes us feel more at home, right? So no matter what, it's not just about getting people more accepted, but it's about getting people feel more welcome. And uh, I feel like uh, this platform that we are creating is to really share our experiences and tell people, yes, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but this is, uh, this is a place where uh, they have a community. They could potentially have a community and they could potentially have the right resources to, to keep going up. But representation, I feel like, is everything. I mean, I know you and I, one thing that we share is that we went to UT uh, mm -hmm. and then we came to Dell. And uh, I'm sure when you got to UT, knowing that there's only 5% African-American out of 50,000 uh, students, that was like a big uh, shock. No matter what school you came from, that was, that was a pretty big disparity. Like, how did you deal with that? How did you find your community and uh, found a sound, I mean, that of representation, basically? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how did I find my community at UT? Well, let me start by saying, yes, it was definitely a culture shock kind of um, coming and especially uh, as us, you know, studying like science or engineering, coming uh, to classes with 400, 500 people and there only being two or three black faces. It was definitely um, a culture shock, uh, to say the least. But I think I found my community in just, um, of course, having, you know, finding people who look like me finding friends who look like me. But um, something that was also important and necessary was to kind of find friends who didn't look like me and and who would um, uh, find friends who didn't look like me and still like didn't judge me and would like understand me. Um, because I think it's important to um, open yourself up to uh, uh, tons of people. You're kind of forced to do that when you're in an environment um, without people who look like you. And so it's important yeah. to, yeah, it's important to find those people and build those connections. Um, and just make sure that you are supported. I definitely found my support group um, and that kind of helped me to, you know, get through four years at UT. Um, I'm finding my support, I'm finding my support group here at Dell now. And uh, I'm, I know my support group is gonna get me through the next four years of medical school. So um, when you're in those kind of uncomfortable spaces, always find people uh, who can really have your back. Exactly. And I, I feel like that community is a big thing. Uh, Sometimes when we get into these spaces, uh, let's say, what's a, what do you usually get into an ocean, right? You you try to worry about how to how to how to swim uh, and survive, right? But one thing you realize is that when you when you find other people who's worrying about the same thing and you guys come together, you can figure out a better solution to really uh, survive the whole thing, right? Uh, so in a place like UT, definitely there was a lot of us. I feel like for in chemical engineering. I, there was uh, four black people out of uh, 250 during my class or something like that. But we came together as a force, not like, oh, let's stick together to be away from everyone, but let's help each other, right? We are all in the same level. Let's help each other and see what we can do for each other. And uh, that help doesn't mean just, uh, hey, come to class or, hey, what's this answer, all of that. It goes as far as like, hey, I got this internship. Uh, 
let me give you the contact of whoever I talk to so you can talk to them, right? And you end up getting the same internship. Hey, I got this project that I don't know how to do. Can you help me? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's continuous supporting each other. And as you said, exactly, that representation is about providing resources and platform for everybody to try, not just you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think uh, what you described there with with your group in engineering uh, is kind of a, a, a small representation of what all black profession, all black uh professionals should do right uh this whole resource sharing idea networking and, and and sharing resources and i think that if we have more of that uh we can definitely attack you know not only this this small uh medical school or medical uh percentage but also the percent the tiny percentages of black men in in you know positions of power period um mm -hmm. but um what do you think kind of is because we haven't talked we haven't touched on this yet but what exactly do you think is the importance of increasing um the representation of black men in medicine like why why does it matter man i i feel like there's so many this is a big answer and it, it can go from from the representation part is a key piece right uh, i feel like with for medical students uh Every time I see young people uh, who are black interested in medicine, mm -hmm. I tell them, hey, we need you to make it. And it sounds cliche, but it's really not, what I mean is not like, hey, uh, it, it's not the same, it's not the same cliche thing as like, hey, we need to make it really. It's more about the people that are already here are not enough, right, to keep the train going. We mm -hmm. need more people, right? Uh, I remember walking into, uh, uh, a cardiothoracic uh, meeting one time uh, when I was shadowing and uh, I could not find any black person uh, in that room. Like 40 people, a room of 40 people, professional physician for a specialty, I could not mm -hmm. find any black person, right? And uh, one, one person is not enough. Uh, two person is not enough, right? We need, we need that... Uh, High, we need we need more people to really create that culture that makes it welcoming for people that look like us. I think I think that's the first big thing. The second thing is uh, it's the people that we are trying to serve out there when you become a physician, right? If you look at the population of the United States, last time I checked, I think thirteen percent are mm -hmm. black, considered black. Last time I checked, I may be I may be wrong. But there's definitely a percentage of black uh, people. And uh, from the results of COVID-19, it says that the majority of people that get, there's a high majority of black people that get sick uh, compared to other races, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, even though I'm not saying that only black people need to take care of these people, but I'm saying having more black people in these spaces as physicians would make uh, taking care of the of black people more, uh, I feel like a, a better. Every it would it would make it easier, right? The care that they receive in terms of just connecting. Uh, there are, there are a lot of studies out there that says if uh, you share a similar culture with the patients or the physician that's taking care of you, it should be it, the 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 speed of you being well increase tenfold basically 
I think that's one of the biggest thing why I feel like representation is important. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, that one thing that we have to like comment on, like in answering this question is um, kind of the, the distrust between the black community and medicine. And uh, there's a there's a reason for this distrust. You know, um, for example, if we bring up history, like the, the Tuskegee experiments, you know, where uh, these were the doctors, um, you know, giving black men syphilis and kind of seeing how the disease progresses. Um, and this this is, you know, not that long ago, what, 60, 70 years ago. Uh, and, you know, that's just a lifetime. So it's, it wasn't that long ago. And so my point is there is uh, a massive distrust, uh, like I said, between black people and the medical community. And one, you know, obvious solution to um, to kind of building that trust is um, increasing the number of black doctors, right? Um, wow. And yeah, it, it's it's extremely important to do this also uh, because you you talked about cardiothoracic surgery. A lot of you know people who end up needing surgery are people with with chronic conditions, and and surgery ends up being the last resort. And who ends up being those people most of the time? Those are people of color, right? Yep. And so mm -hmm, it, it's extremely important for us to be there. Um, and just like you said, it's not that. Um, only black people can help black people or only Latino doctors can help Latino patients. That's not the case at all. But sometimes it's just um, having that that cultural relative cultural uh, relativity, uh, understanding, you know, things that aren't unsaid, um, you know, just being comfortable with with, talk, with having your patients talk in general, um, you know, is just a, a, a few of the reasons why it's important to uh, increase uh, the, the number of black male physicians. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's big. That's a big point. Uh, even for, uh, I didn't even think about that. That's a big one, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I just, I, I really wanted to bring that up, especially because uh, I also was a, a, a got the uh, opportunity to observe some surgeries. I'm interested in surgery myself, and I saw three patients that day, and three, uh, the three of the patients I saw were all were all black, and that was wow. just it was really surprising to me, especially being in Austin. Um, Austin, and the whole room, the whole room, no one is black. Nobody like in the, the whole room was black except me and the patient. And that just kind of showed me like, man, I need to be a surgeon because, you know, these people need my help. They, if, if a black person is getting surgery, they shouldn't be the only black person in the room, ideally. And um, yeah, hopefully that's why, uh, hopefully we can increase uh, representation for sure. That's the goal. That's the goal. And, and the work, as we're talking about, it, it, it goes from the from the beginning, like at a young age, right? Figure, figuring out a way to increase that exposure in, in, in these communities, right? And uh, as they go to high school and college, finding a way to create platforms and uh, communities in different colleges, not just in uh, HBCU, but also in PWIs, that really let these people know that they're supposed to be there, they're supposed to make it. I have so many friends that I started college with who told me they wanted to be uh, pre-med. They were pre-med before I even thought about what, before I even knew what was pre-med. They were interested in becoming a, uh, going to be, being a physician. Right. And uh, by third year, then they let me know, oh, I don't think I, I wanna do that anymore. Uh, I, I wanna just do this. And if you really dig deep, it's not because uh, they have a change of mind, really. It's because some roadblock has really stopped them in their chat and made them think that they may not have what it takes to, to really pursue that journey. 
but everybody feels that way. The only difference is that for some people, they have a lot of supports around them that tell them, no, you got this, just keep going, keep trying, keep trying. And for other people, they just don't have the resources and they don't have the exposure even to, to make them believe that, oh, maybe you can, you can figure it out. Man, it's, this, this has been a great conversation. Let, let's turn on a little bit toward the uh, fixing and suggestions and, and, and uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, man, I want to hear your thought on this. If, yeah. if we wanted to fix this issue, right, we cannot just attack every single uh, level. We have to focus on one level specifically. At what level of schooling do you think we should focus our attention and resources? I would say high school. I think um, high school is just a, a time, a, a major time in somebody's life. And kind of the, that performance in high school really sets you up for, for the rest of your life. And I think if we, um, you know, have programs um, like, you know, for example, us as medical students, if we could go back to local high schools, you know, uh, with, with people of color and kind of show them what we're doing, show them who we are, especially high school freshmen, I think that's kind of where um, the most effort should be placed. Because by the time people get to, uh, to university, that's already, that's a big stride. Making it to, to college in general is just, is a really hard thing to do. So I think that if we really wanted to kind of increase the number of black physicians, the, the, the place to target is kind of that eighth grade, ninth grade, that kind of that transitional period where you're really tr uh, transitioning into and making goals for yourself. We need to be there. Uh, making sure they're they're uh, informed of what they could be. What would you say? I definitely I definitely agree. And if we integrate uh, that ability to for them to imagine at a young age, all we need to do later is to just support them to create systems that's gonna support them along the way. But that big that big first step is uh, empowering them with the ability to really imagine beyond limits right? and uh, and going for it. When, when did you when did you know you wanted to be a physician? Uh, I, I never asked you this. Like when did it click that yeah. you wanted to be a physician? Oh man. Okay. So um back when I was about 17, I uh I was really, really interested in engineering. You know, I was I think I was I was right out of my junior year of high school, I was like, man, I know I'm gonna be an engineer. So, uh, you know, me being me, I got started with this um, biomechanics engineering research project at A&M. And um, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was a really great project. We ended up uh, designing a prosthetic hand and 3D printing it. And um, I, it was just a really great thing. And again, I wanted to do engineering or so I thought. And I was like, you know, this this is going to be great for me. But uh, at the end of the project, um, we actually ended up finding uh, somebody to donate the prosthetic device to that we had made. And um, it was just a, a really big thing. We, we ended up giving it to him for free. He was in California. Uh, we, we mailed him the prosthetic that we ended up producing that summer. And I think I got more fulfilled from, cause we ended up, I had contact with this person that we sent the device to. Uh, we ended up FaceTiming, uh, I FaceTimed him to, to kind of teach him about how to use the device. I think I got more fulfilled from that moment of him, you know, knowing that I improved his quality of life way more than actually sitting there programming the prosthetic hand. And yeah, I was, I was 17 then. And I was like, you know what, 
this is what I need to dedicate my life to improving the quality of life of people. Um, and yeah, it was, it was kind of up from there. I'm curious about you. I don't think I've asked you, you know, what, wow, what, bro. that is amazing. I, I feel like we've been together seven months and I never knew that that is the best story ever. And that, that, that's exposure right there. Mm -hmm. That's exposure. That's crazy. For me, uh, it was, from a young age, I mean, I, I grew up watching my dad spending uh, most of his life committing to helping people. Mm -hmm. uh, he, we didn't have much uh, because in Guinea, uh, really, you don't get much uh, as a physician. So he divided our house into two and uh, because he wanted to start a clinic but didn't have the space. So he divided our house into two and he, had, uh, he saw patients uh, around the corner. So I used to, on the days when I don't have school, I used to watch him. But the biggest, the biggest uh, time where I really felt this is what I wanted to do was when my sister had a car accident. Uh, she had a very bad car accident and uh, she was knocked out. Uh, I was nine, she was about 11. And uh, I figured out a way to, to guide uh, whoever hit him because we were coming from school and uh, we ended up in that, whoever hit him, we ended up in that minibus and he took us to the hospital. And when we got there, uh, I remember being at the emergency room watching watching uh, the doctor working on my sister. And as he was controlling everybody and just managing my sister and uh, waking her up and all of that, I'm like, what should I need? What do I need to know to be able to do what he does, right? Uh, I just, there was something about that cow, that chaotic moment where he was so calm uh, because of his knowledge and uh, so effective, and he saved my sister. And I, I, I really said, I really, it, in my mind, I'm like, what can I do to be able to do that? And uh, since then, I've been trying to, I've been trying to chase this journey, but it wasn't always easy. Uh, this is segueing into what I wanted to ask you later. In college, definitely, there were so many doubts, right, that came to me and like. Is this, is this something that you should do, right? Do you have what it takes? Uh, do you, do you want to do all these years, all these things with your data, uh, with challenges, struggles that just hits you in your face and people not believing in you, right? Like, can you talk about that? Like, yes, you had that, that beautiful moment at the age of 17 that tells you this is for you. But what was that journey when you were studying uh, neuroscience in uh, in UT, uh, all the struggle. What what were some doubts that crept in that made you feel like this? Maybe you cannot do this. Were there any? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, you know, going into anything, you have to be ready to to have those moments of doubt, have those moments of you know failure. You have to experience those, and I definitely did um, experience moments like that. Um, it was undergrad was hard, just straight like that. It was it was really difficult coming from uh, kind of like a smaller high school and, and going to UT. It was hard academically, um, socially, wow. again, because like we talked about earlier, the culture shock coming to Austin. So, yeah, it was hard academically, hard socially, hard financially, uh, because, you know, I, I also don't come from, um, you know, a very a very wealthy background. I come from humble beginnings. So it was definitely challenging. And, um, you know, in those moments, well, for one, uh, I, I had gone into it again, kind of expecting to have moments 
where it wouldn't work out. Have those moments of self-doubt. And I think it's important to go into things having expectations that it won't always be great. And then that way, when the, the, the tribulations and the trials do come, you aren't super sat back by them because you were kind of expecting them. Um, but yeah, whenever I did have um, those challenges, I always would remember my why. My why. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Um, why is it important for me to overcome whatever this adversity is? And I think it's important to just uh, always kind of ask yourself those questions before you make a decision to, you know, quit something or stop something. Remember your why. Bro, that's the biggest lesson here, like the why. I feel like if you understand your why, your purpose, no matter how hard the world is, you have what it takes to annihilate it and go through it, right? And uh, I feel like if, if you haven't learned anything from this conversation, uh, learn learn what Lee said here about your purpose, your why. I feel like that's like key to so many things in life because it won't be easy. No one has gone through this journey uh, easily. But when you understand your why, when you remember that, no matter how hard the journey is, you'll figure out a way to, to go through it. Exactly. Man, I, I love this, bro. I didn't know this story. This is, wow, that's, that's a beautiful story, man. Thank you. Um, what? Well, yeah, I think uh, we had, you know, kind of a, a great discussion today. I kind of want to wrap up with um, with us making, you know, I want us to commit to giving back to the community because we are we are about to be, you know, physicians three, four years from now, we'll be in our positions of power. So um, I'm going to, you know, talk about what I want to do, but I want to ask you, you know, what are some specific plans that you have to give back to the community, um, you know, once you get to the end of your journey? Oh man, uh, my there is so many things that mm -hmm. comes to mind, but definitely one thing that I know is that I want to give back through mentorship, right? And uh, yes, one-to-one -one mentorship is fine, but I feel like I, I want to have the capacity to do more than that by uh, talking to, reaching to more people through platforms like this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping. Uh, from from since three years ago, I, I've been trying to create platforms like this where I can not just share my story, but bring other people who have gone through uh, this journey to share their story so that the upcoming generation can learn about these journeys, really learn from people's mistakes and uh, facilitate their journey as they go through it. So for me, the biggest thing, one thing that I'm sure that that one of my biggest thing, right? Uh, one of I, I always talk about I am His. I am uh, somebody who follow God. I am somebody who's faithful. And uh, in terms of His, the H is for healing. I'm hoping to to learn the art of medicine so I can heal, help heal people. Uh, the the I is for inspiration. I'm hoping to use my story and the journey that I'm trying to, to go through to really inspire the people for them to believe that they can do it. And the S is for service. I feel like no life is worth living if you don't have plan for service, truly. I, I feel like meaning in life comes from service and 
can serve uh, the young people coming after me, but uh, so many other community through through this journey uh, as we keep going. Wow. What about you? What about you? Wow. Um, you know, my answer may not be uh, as as eloquent. Um, I think that was very well spoken, Corsa. Let me start by saying that. Thank you. Um, but like you, I'm going to start with with service. I think, um, you know, once we become doctors, uh, one one thing I want to do is definitely have a commitment to community service. I'm not sure exactly what uh, that would look like, but like uh, working at free clinics, things like that. I don't want to just stop that, you know, after I get out of medical school. I want to be able to do that as a doctor. But um, uh, another like plan, pretty solid plan that I have for um you know, once I'm a doctor is to kind of open up, I'm imagining like a chain of private practices with a lot of black healthcare professionals working. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly, you know, if that'll work out logistically. I know it's a bit ambitious, but I think that having um, clinics kind of across the country where um, where black patients can go, you know, by choice if they want to make sure that they're getting cared for uh, properly, or if, they, if they're just more comfortable uh, having Black physicians, I want there to be an option, um, you know, in like major cities just for people to access this because, you know, it's important, you know, um, and I think that that would have kind of a, a direct outcome on kind of reducing those those uh, really bad health outcomes that we see in the Black community. You know, our life expectancy is is small. Uh, compared yeah. to um, compared to other uh, communities, so yeah, that's, those are a few of my plans that I have in the works. Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. I think we did it, bro. I think we did, we did the first one. <laughs> yeah, this this was an uh, excellent discussion. You know, I'm excited to see uh, how this develops, and uh, I, it doesn't even feel like this was just our, our our first session. It feels like we've done this a million times. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get better as we go, uh, people out there. And we're hoping to get, in the future, we're hoping to bring in our professionals, our physicians, uh, where we're going to ask them questions through this uh, platform. But also, we're going to get some of the younger generation where we create some type of circle uh, where we all of us going to be sharing and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to do this with you, brother. I feel like we got, we got something good going on that can be impactful. Absolutely. Melanated Man and Medicine, MMM. It'll, you know. Let, let's get it. About us again. You'll hear about us again. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, or loved one.